Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today I am not with Mark. Mark is uh, doing another podcast with Dumb Wells, actually. Uh, today I am with Michelle from a tool that we have mentioned several times before called Surfers. Yo, how's it going, Michelle? Hey, hey everyone. I'm really happy you have me here. So I hope you'll, I will provide some good insights for you guys. It's funny because I literally asked you like 16 hours ago to do the podcast. And the reason why, let's be honest, is because um, Mark and I were flying to Asia on Saturday and we wanted to have podcasts go out to the audience where we're not there. So we're just like rushing to record after we just finished our Atari Hacker Pro launch. So thank you for coming on such a short notice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a YOLO style, YOLO style, so <laughs> it will be good. I think it's going to be interesting. A lot of people are quite interested in like on-page SEO tools. I mean, last year it was starting, a year ago when I went to all the conferences, it was starting to get out there, etc. But in the last year, a lot of people have realized like how powerful this kind of like correlational SEO stuff can be. And some people have had good results doing that kind of stuff and so on. We have had some good results using this kind of stuff as well, which is why we're quite happy to put you guys in the pretty short list we have recommended tools. It's basically just like Ahrefs, you guys, and some kind of outreach tool, basically, that we recommend most people to get. But for people who don't know what it is, what is Surfer SEO? When did you guys start it? And why did you start it? So in general, I am pretty fresh to SEO industry, which is kind of funny since I started in, in 2016. So uh, it's like three years old and now I'm building a tool that is used globally. This is really funny, but it, it all has started in a tiny agency uh, on the southeast part of Poland in a really small village, like 300 people live in the village. And when we were coming to the office, like uh, half of the cars were from from company SEO, which was the agency name. And in that agency, Sławek Tchaikovsky was the CEO of the agency. And he figured out the methodology of this reverse engineering, so-called reverse engineering, which involved us also uh, correlational studies. So we had this issue with scaling up the agency, but it was really tiny village and we couldn't find anyone to hire, which is obvious. So we decided to make our processes better. And based on the methodology that Slavic figured out about investigating competitors' pages, looking for common elements and that kind of stuff, we decided to build an internal tool that will help us scale the agency up to get more clients with uh, keeping the same size of of the team. And that actually worked. It was like in, I guess it was 2016 when we started working on this internal tool. And everything got serious when I asked my brother, the developer, Lucian, to join me and Swavek to help us build some kind of product uh, that could be used by the agency on a daily basis. And after some cooperation, after a few months, we released beta version of Surfer in November 2017. And that was the very first release on the Polish market. And from that time, we are developing the tool, which 
is, in a short words, I will explain a little bit what the Surfer SEO is. Actually, we would love to call it Surfer instead of Surfer SEO. It's similar problem as Majestic SEO had in the past, but I think that it will be really hard to flip it. <laughs> but still, even I'm making mistakes. So <laughs> what is Surfer? Surfer is a tool that do the job for the SEO. I mean, he Surfer makes the data gathering flawless. So the process is not painful as it was before. So this is why we managed to scale up the agency. I wasn't forced to manually analyze competitors anymore. And that made me able to analyze, let's say, even 20 or 30 pages a day in terms of the on-page instead of a few. So in general, it speeds up the process of analyzing competitors which makes on-page SEO really efficient. And I would say that on-page SEO is becoming more and more important in last two years. Let's say in last two years, on-page becomes more important. And in some niches, it is enough to do only on-page if you have a decent domain. So that was actually a good time to, to start working on projects like Surfer since some competitors popped up at the time, like POP or Cora. They appeared like in 2017. It was like in the middle of 2017, uh, Cora appeared. So that was the time of popping some some more on-page SEO tools. That's about the intro to, to Surfer, I guess. I think for people who don't exactly understand what it does, I think we should explain, for example, what the difference is between a tool like Surfer and a tool like Ahrefs. Because... I think when you say computer analysis, etc., people will like for people who never use it, they, they they might be confused here. So let's just like take thirty seconds to explain the difference, basically. Okay, so in general, it's just for it's mostly for the on page and Surfer pulls search results, its top fifty search results, and analyze those pages against around five hundred ranking factors, and after a minute, you are able to analyze on the charts or in a simple audit what's going on in the SERP. So if it's the length dependent, is it the keywords density dependent, or it's maybe a page speed, the most important factor out there. So that's what Surfer do for the SEOs. So do you think that different factors matter for different search results? Actually, this is the most important conclusion you can have. I feel like every single keyword have different uh, set of factors that really matter. Since we provide 500 ranking factors or 400 or 600, it depends how you count it. But for a given keyword, in a given localization, this is even more important since I did some studies based on analysis we did so far that even the same keyword can differ a lot uh, if you uh, go through many localizations, like through a few cities, if you run analysis for for a few cities, then you will get different important ranking factors. In, in one city, it will be the length. In the other city, it will be completely different user intent for the same keyword. They may not look for a service page or uh, rather for a blog post. So providing 500 ranking factors is more for being comprehensive and being able to provide insights for every kind of search term, but in general, it's like 
uh, of those factors uh, will be important for a query. So yeah, I think that's it. How do you identify the most important factors? Like you get a surfer report and there's like a gazillion metrics that you can plot. But like, how do you decide which ones are important and not important for that one query? So I have a process of working with Surfer SEO, with Surfer that starts always with an audit. So uh, I'm lazy. I'm a lazy guy who don't want to overcomplicate stuff. I think that everyone is, or almost everyone, is, is kind of a lazy guy since we don't want to spend hours on unnecessarily work. That's obvious. Time is money. So I always start with an audit to check if the page that I'm auditing has a content gap. And by the content gap, I mean that competitors' pages, let's say top 10 competitors' pages, are about something. And they cover some topics, they use specific words, they use specific phrases. There are terms that uh, are common for those guys. And in surface audit, you will find all of those words and phrases, which is my starter for every single page. I always look for those common words, common phrases in audit. Uh, they are in the true density tab. And uh, check if I miss some topics with my content. That's the most powerful thing I do at the beginning. And if it does not help, but in general, it helps. But there are some cases like really high competitive keywords, uh, where I'm stuck with rankings and I don't know what to do. Then I'm looking uh, into more in-depth analysis on the charts. And this in-depth analysis is about looking for an outliers for different ranking factors. So to make people understand what we are talking about, because you know Surfer, I know Surfer, but someone may not. So you get the chart. We have a review with a YouTube video for people who want to see what it looks like. And you guys have a you guys have a one dollar trial or something like this as well. Yeah, yeah, it's one dollar trial for a week of full feature. So definitely take a look at the video. But in, in short, you see a chart, and there are some values. Let's say for the length or exact keywords density in headings. And if your page is an outlier, so you are way off the let's say top ten competitors then you have a problem. And because of there is quite a lot of those factors, I keep it for, for later after the true density since it's easier. Uh, so if I have this, this kind of stuck keyword, I look for spots where I'm over-optimized or under-optimized, but specifically for a segment, for an HTML entity. So it can be image alts. I saw quite a lot of examples where uh, exact keyword density or partial keywords or whatever keyword density in the whole body content was just fine, but it was so spammy considering H2s or image alts. So reducing it in a specific segment uh, released the rankings. And this is what I do after I tweak the densities in general, after I tweak all of those words and phrases that I should include, then I check if it doesn't help. If it helps, I don't touch it. But if there's a problem, if there's something stuck, then I look through all of those factors and look for an outlying result. And if it's me, then I tweak it. 
I see. Can we just go back to the true density for a second? So true density, to explain to people who are listening, it's basically there's two reports in there. There's the words report and there's the phrase report. And it's giving you, for words, it's giving you single words. For phrases, it's like two, three words, I guess. And it's basically telling you add more of these, remove some of that, just to try to match essentially the top results and have a similar keyword density. Now, my question is, do you use both the word and phrase report? And also, you guys have a score of relevance for each one. Like, you know, it goes from 100% to 0%, basically. And I guess it tells you how important it is to implement that keyword uh, in there based on that relevance. Like, how low do you go? Do you go all the way? Or do you, like, first go for, like, the like the keywords, like, above 70%, then you go down if it doesn't go up, etc. Like, how do you go through that? I am lazy, right? So I start with phrases. Uh, since fixing phrases will fix some words as well. So I always start with phrases, not only because I'm lazy, but also because uh, phrases are more differential to the content, or at least I call it this way. So I start with phrases that I'm missing. So if I will uh, split it into three phases of true density optimization, I'm starting with missing common phrases where I'm zero times on my page. After that, I'm trying to tweak the yellow signs, which are warnings, and see what happens, since quite a lot of words will be fixed already with fixing phrases. And there is way less phrases than words, so it does not require so much time to incorporate them. And they are like, I feel like they are twice stronger, two times stronger than, than words, or maybe three times stronger. So I just do the phrases and see what happens. If it doesn't help, then I go through the words, especially the words that are part of my query. Actually, query words, I would consider query words as uh, element of a first step. So if we have, let's say, SEO services Miami, then I would do all the phrases plus SEO plus services plus Miami. And this, this is my first step. And yeah. Do you use the, like how far down do you go for the relevance? Like if something is relevant, like 20%, do you still do it? I go with phrases uh, all the way to the bottom. And uh, actually there are relevance up to 40%. And by the relevance, we consider the number of competitors in the top 10 that are using the term. So it's not that complicated as it looks like. It could be named with number of competitors using. In general, is this is this metric. So I go all the way down with phrases and let's say up to 60 or 70% with words. But you have to eyeball it a little bit as well since it is just a simple math, right? You may find some words maybe irrelevant, maybe they are related to the topic, but common across those pages, since we uh, exclude stop words and this kind of stuff, but we are not able to exclude words that, you know, can, does not matter that much. So if you feel like some words may not be that differential or so important for the topic, you can just skip it. There is no, no rule of fixing true density to all green. I mean, it's not that, it's not that important. Yeah, basically use your critical sense. Don't just take the tool and do exactly what it says. It's just a guide, not like an absolute rule to follow. 
Another question as well is, what if you have a keyword that has more density than the keyword recommends? I'm looking at one of my reports now. It says that for some keywords, it tells me to like remove some. Like, do you when do you do that? Do you do that immediately, or do you do that like on round two or three of optimization? I start with checking how long the content is and how long it should be comparing to competitors. Since I had a few situations when I was lazy and instead of adding more content to the page. I reduced density by reducing exact keywords. And actually that made me drop. I lost authority to rank for the keyword uh, by reducing those phrases, which were actually keeping me up. So before you start reducing keywords, check if you are not missing some content. Since adding like 500 more words on page will reduce uh, your density in the same way as reducing a few a few exact keywords. And for the content, it will be much better to add more if your SERP requires this. But if your SERP, like if you see in audit that you should reduce a thousand words, then definitely don't add more content. Go with reducing those exacts. And you asked about the iterations. I always try to be conservative and do it in a few steps. If I'm over-optimized by, let's say, 10 times, I will reduce 3, 3, and 4. Or maybe there will be no need to reducing by the last 4 since I will have the effect uh, before. So going with drastic um, changes is not the best idea. In my opinion, I, yeah, I agree. It's actually, you know, in these data tests that we've done, we found that like number of occurrences of the keyword seem to like correlate really high with rankings. But when your density is too high, then you get killed. So basically, that's kind of like the purpose of content length. It seems like long content is just here to just stuff the keyword more times without having too high density. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the, the I have the same same conclusion on this, and really. That's fact, that's fact, but it requires some studies, some hard studies to... We actually have done it. We have the blog post in draft right now, actually. I need to edit it, but uh, we actually have done it. Like, how long should content be? That was the query. And then we've done... We basically try to prove that, basically. It's hard to, like, exactly prove, but we have some cool data around that, actually. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of our conclusion. It's like content length is not really a ranking factor. Content length is just here to give you room to put your keywords like a lot of the of your keywords without having too high density because when you have too high density, you tend to drop to the top of page two. That's, we kind of found that the top of page two is kind of a special area where Google just like archives all the stuff that's over-optimized. I couldn't name it better. You did a great job with this definition, definitely. I really like it and I'd love to quote it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, really exactly what I think on this. And if you if we are close to the density, the right density for a query, I always uh, aim for the highest, but not penalized density, which is exactly what you what you told. So if there are some results with outlying a little bit, but they are still in the top, uh, let's say top five outlies a little bit, but I consider it as the highest, but not penalized density since the page wasn't penalized for having such high density. So, I, you know, keyword stuffing still works. Uh, let's be honest, keyword stuffing works, but you just have to find the sweet spot. And this is where I find it, is between the highest and the second highest density in the top 10. 
Provided you match their word count as well. Like you need to have at least as many words on your page as well. Otherwise your density is going to be higher basically. So like, but the way I look at it is like the exact keyword. So like, like I'm looking at a result right now where like the, my page has like five times the exact keyword, but like the number three has like 12 times. And so like I could go at 12 times on my page, provided I have at least as many words as they have. So that my, or I could calculate their density and match that basically. But yeah, and one thing as well, I'm going to get into the other parts of the audits now. Like you guys basically, so I'm opening like the word count, right? So I have a, a query. I'm not going to give the query because it's one of our sites. <laughs> and like number one is like a thousand words. Number two is 1,689 words. Number three is 6,700 words. Number four is 1,237 words. Number five, 1,000, basically around 1,400 words type thing. Except that number three, that's like 6,783 words. So it's quite, my page is 2,000 words. And actually, because of that, give kind of a range of recommended word count, right? So and because of that, you guys tell me I should add words despite the fact that I have more words on my page than four out of five of the top five pages. Like, uh, how do you guys calculate this range? And you don't really care about outliers or how does that work? The audit is always built from top five available pages. And by available pages, I mean the ones that didn't get excluded before you started auditing page. And if you have a such situation, like there is an outlier, I would always recommend checking why he is outlying, since uh, he may be outlying because the user intent, targeted user intent is different than the rest of those guys, or the type of the content is different than the rest of ranking pages. Maybe there is a skyscraper blog post uh, against the short definitions. And it's a good practice to level, to level those competitors before you start auditing, since you always want to compare with your direct competitors. And if there is an outlier, it can be an outlier in terms of domain authority as well, uh, since you can have a Wikipedia or Amazon or some other kind of high authority pages that you won't uh, compare with. It is always a good practice to exclude them because if you won't exclude those guys, you will end up with doing your own page in a similar way as pages that are not strong with on-page. They are there because of their authority and their on-page can be really, really weak and you'll keep them in, in comparison, which is a problem. So before you start uh, auditing, it's crucial to check uh, outliers and exclude them if, if, it's, if it's needed. But in your case, it can be just a longer article. Like... like uh, Matt Dickity recently shared a study about reducing content and that can be a similar situation. So if this guy, if the 6,000 guy will reduce the content, he will rank up. That, that may be a case after rankings has changed after some, some updates or other fluctuations. But the initial question was about the range, right? So the range is simple. It's between the average and the highest value in the top. So that might get changed since there are so many studies uh, or, I mean, small studies uh, of people noticing ranking, ranking growth after reducing content. And in this area, we promote kind of longer forms, which was okay before. But I think that we have to rethink 
the idea of how the length is calculated in such uh, situations, since the guy with 6,000 uh, can be actually in trouble instead of uh, leading leading the way. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, like, again, I'm thinking about this article on PostLens that's like not published yet. Uh, we did find that still long content does get quite a bit more traffic. And the funny thing is, one thing that we found is that long content doesn't necessarily get more traffic because Google likes it more. Long content gets more traffic because people link to it more. It's like kind of like perceived value. And it seem, seems to be like more of a psychological effect than it actually is a Google thing, basically. Like, I don't think Google's like necessarily like cares that much about content lens. I've, I mean, in a mobile first world, like I would rather promote concise content than like lengthy, fluffy content. So it, it's quite interesting, but I think there's a place for both. But I agree that um, I have been working on making shorter pages in the last few years. What I'm one thing, one metric that we didn't calculate yet that I really want to calculate is average. We're using the the Ahrefs traffic. You know, they give you they, they have this traffic metric to pages. You know, and we have the word count for all the pages, and we have like half a million or something that we've analyzed. And uh, I want to calculate the uh, the traffic per word on page, you know, so that I want to calculate because that will tell us like the actual value. Because otherwise, like you, you're like, oh, one five thousand word article is great, but like, what about five one thousand word article, you know? We can do a global study about that once the U.S. database will land in Surfer, which may be even this year. Once it's done, we can analyze quite a lot of word counts against because we estimate some some traffic for the url as well but it's not that accurate since we don't have us keywords database so it's just for comparing two pages instead of uh, getting values for estimating your traffic but if the us database lands we we, we could analyze uh, and introduce uh, traffic per word I think it makes more sense because, like, people are like, "Yeah, five thousand article gets more article than a one, one more traffic than a one thousand article." I'm like, "Great, but you wrote five thousand words and not one thousand. So how about five one thousand words article against one five thousand word article?" You know, I think that's the better comparison, and that's why like this traffic per word metric kind of makes sense because then you can like a writer, let's say, can write like fifty thousand words for you per month. It's not about like does the long content get more traffic or not. It's about like how much traffic can I get from that writer to maximize this, you know? I think that it has to be niche specific uh, since you may have a topics that are easy to build a lot of long-tailed keywords around. And in those cases, 5K articles can rank on, let's say, 100 or 500 keywords and uh, drive tons of traffic while those five articles for 1,000 uh, may not be able to, to rank on so many keywords, but it's just a talking. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we need to do the data. we need to do the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we have some of it, but we don't have all of it, and uh, that's why I didn't release the article as well. I'm going to add some edits to Michel, but uh, it's he's also called Michel, <laughs> and it's going to be quite interesting. Another thing I wanted to ask you is like you guys have done a lot of these things for your agency, like you've seen your clients do that, etc. And I wanted to ask like how long do you wait between two rounds of optimization for a page? Uh, do you do, like do you wait just to, do you like reindex and then wait till the next day and do it again or do you like wait a week or two or like how long does it take between two rounds of optimization? Mm, so when I was working for the agency, which was like a year ago, I had a process with 
including as many fixes as possible since I wanted to deliver, you know, to the clients. So I just didn't want to waste my crawl budget, my time uh, to test things and see which helped, which change had the biggest impact. Since Google stopped crawling on a daily basis, actually, that was the biggest issue I had because uh, when we were starting with Surfer, it was a great time for testing since they they allowed me to request indexing. And after a few minutes, I saw changes in SERP. Uh, so this way I could tweak my page in 10 iterations a day and find out what works and what does not work. But it's not available anymore. So I've done it not long ago. When did they change it? Because I did it like three weeks ago. And it was, uh, I got my rankings up, up by like eight positions on page one in 10 minutes. Maybe you have a decent site with a decent crawl budget. You know, I work for a, I worked for a Polish, a Polish clients, local businesses and e-commerce stuff, which was not the leading in the niche. So that was my struggle when they stopped crawling smaller websites that frequently. And uh, yeah, but if if you have access to page that gets crawled on demand, then I would strongly recommend splitting. Optimization is as in as many tiny bits as possible to see what's actually working. So you do like 10 changes in a day. You do like 10 changes in a day if it gets re-indexed. Yes, I would do. I would even split the true density phrases to add only half and then the second half to see if it's enough to go with 80% relevancy uh, or not. So, you know, SEO is testing. SEO is testing. It changes all the time. So that's why I, I could be right here after three years of doing SEO. I was completely green at the time. And, uh, you know, once I love this niche because it's it's so dynamic that you can... You can test, analyze, and be up to date. Even if you are three years old in SEO, you can do a podcast with with such a great guys like you. So, I mean, we're just hanging out on the cold. Like it's it's not nothing too crazy. But like, yeah, it's just funny that you're testing. Te- like I haven't done that. Like usually, I kind of wait because I've seen pages like kind of like bounce up and kind of like bounce down a few days later. And 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 so like usually I I would do these things like once a week or something. So it's interesting. But to be honest, it kind of makes you want to try. Because I know that when I re-index pages, like within like maximum like an hour, then I, I I see the movements and you know like I see like in this case it was fixing the title tag, so you see it in the search results, you know. You have to spot the first change. So if you will miss the first change after it start bouncing, then the test is wasted. But if you will spot the first uh, reaction of Google then you can, you know, make some statement that it worked. And after, of course, it will bounce. It can bounce for, for a few days. But if you spot this first first reaction... That's actually true. I've seen that a lot. Like, you, you, you bump up, then you go down for two days, then it goes back to where it bumped up in the first time. I've seen that a lot, actually. Like, especially when I used to do, like, back in my gray hat days, when I used to do, like, a huge, like, links, link campaigns to, like, a single page or something, then that's the kind of stuff I would see, and, and I expect it's the same. That page actually did exactly that, right? It jumped up eight positions, then it kind of, like, went down for 48 hours, then it just went back to, like, top of page one, basically. Yeah, different data centers and so on. It counts, but... 
Okay, interesting. I wanted to talk about the, the content editor that you guys just released as well, because I think this one is going to be interesting for people, especially for people who outsource content creation and uh, don't want to spend their lives tweaking other people's content. It's like it's it's fun to do it like three times and then you're like, fuck my life, I have another article to edit. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that is a great addition. Can you explain what it does exactly to the people that don't know what it is? Uh, so we already had the data in, in server that we have in server analyzer and I was building my briefs manually. So I checked the common words, common phrases, average length, uh, article structure, put it all together in uh, Google Docs. And that was my brief, my data driven brief, which I complete in 10 minutes, let's say. But it, it sounds like a quick, a quick task even with Surfer, but the problem is uh, when you have to check it, <laughs> when you have to verify if your brief was uh, done properly. So uh, actually that was the, the, the biggest problem that I had since SEO's time is, let's say it, a bit more expensive than the copywriter's time. And SEO's are a lot more lazy than the copywriters also, so it's like it counts too. So, uh, so I, I thought that it would be great if I could build the brief in a minute, Okay, that's fine. I can live even with 10 minutes brief creation. But if I just can test it properly after the brief is created, after the content is written, if I can just take a look and see, okay, all green, you are good. No more control F and 100 times in a row. That was crazy. That was one of the biggest problems we, we had and uh, the content editor solves it. But explain what it does exactly. It's basically a text editor, like a word or something, except it has all the data on the right side, like telling you how many words you should use, like how many heading tags, how many paragraphs, images, the important words, etc., etc. you know? That's the second second pain we relieved with the editor. So when I saw a Surfer's client who sent the picture over to me with a paper with common words written on the paper and marked uh, blue, red, thick, cross, numbered, whatever. I thought that, God damn, it can be done automatically since we already have the data. We already have the data. Why the hell they should print those common phrases or write them down with a pencil? That's crazy. So this way, we released copywriters to do on-page optimization while writing. This is the most important thing, second most important thing of the editor is that you make your writer a superhero of optimization since he can do the job for you. With zero effort from your side, your content gets optimized if it's all green. Your content gets optimized and you don't have to touch it at all if you are okay with the tone or the shape of the art, the article or topics covered, it will be just semantically correct. So if your writer is a well-known well guy who you co cooperate for quite a long time, then you can send the, the, this brief over to him, this editor, and he will produce top-notch optimized content that you don't have to touch at all, just publish and it will run. So I saved with, with one editor, I saved like, two or two hours of work, of manual work that I hate. Uh, that's the, the, that's the, the biggest advantage because this is the work that I... Yes. So 
that was that was a game changer for uh, many of SEOs who were outsourcing the content since a surfer content editor does not uh, require outsourced writer to log in so to log in so no seats limited no stuff like that you just produce briefs send unique URLs to your writers wherever they are and they can just produce the content for you which is synchronized with what you have in app and that's it. The process is so flawless that you can order, let's say, 100 articles a day. So crazy. I must say you guys are not greedy on this because like a lot of uh, other platforms would have done the seed stuff, right? They'd be like, oh, like one writer, like $99 a month and like five writers but to make more money <laughs> like to like like it's uh, it's what they do what i like as well in this thing is like so you calculate a lot of the metrics automatically like you know like which keywords to include etc but the seo person has manual input on like which competitors it should be calculated against so for example i'm looking at a query now that has booking.com ranking right and hotels.com uh, well like you know i probably don't want to include these in the analysis it does automatically but i can unselect it and then all the numbers get changed not only that but you recommend the number of words but i can change that if i want so if like if i've decided i want to make like some big skyscraper article i'm gonna go over in terms of words or like i want to do something short just to see where i'm landing i'm able to do that my question though i haven't checked if i change the number of words does it change the recommended number of other words inside the article like does it recalculate everything yes that's that's uh, essential. I mean, this is what this is what we do for the true density as well. Uh, the true density is calculated for your current length. So, if you do the true density and few iterations, add some content during incorporating some more words, suggested ranges will change because you added more content, and it, the content editor works in the same way. So, you have a target length, and we always calculate the ranges for the target length. Let's say you will change the target length during the writing because you don't have a budget for 3,000 articles. You will just have budget for 1,000 articles. So after changing the target length, all the, the data will be recalculated for you. So you can even use it for really short forms. Like, uh, you know, we a friend of mine was using a content editor to write Google My Business pages optimize them with content editor and his his gmbs went up like like crazy i he's the best guy for gmbs in poland so he, he's testing a lot so uh he, he tested uh, optimizing those entities in gmbs and they were like 300 words long at maximum or something like this and because of those calculations for target length he uh, was able to produce content with uh, just right uh, density in the whole spectrum, all the semantically related work. So we have like this niche research on Atari Hacker, like, you know, where we, where we like check like the, like the one I was checking now is the travel hotel affair programs. Like we're just like making a list, et cetera, and trying to rank for this. Pro and I've been doing that with Niall, uh, one of our writers, and he's just writing them using that. They rank super well, actually. It's, pretty, it's been pretty nice. And I had no work to do, which is really nice. Like he knows how to use it and he does it. And it's, it's quite nice. And one thing that I really appreciate that you guys did as well is you just integrated with Google Docs. 
So you can actually connect your Google Doc to whatever audit you have for uh, the content editor, and then, then you can use Google Docs like normal. Like not only do they get the metrics inside Google Doc when they write, but I can go in the article and highlight and make some comments. So like he does the editorial edits that I want them to do, for example, you know? So I get both the SEO side and the kind of like craftsmanship of like the, the older stuff that we use in, uh, in Google Docs to do it. So that's, um, I think that is quite interesting, actually. Actually, I'm collecting quite a lot of feedback at Surfer. That's my main role. Like, I often have over 10 calls a week with walkthroughs or feedback sessions. And when we released the editor uh, by the end of June, I had quite a, quite a lot of calls and feedback sessions with people using the editor and integrating with Google Docs was the most frequently yeah, I can imagine, yeah. uh, asked request and even even what is even more important some clients wasn't able to incorporate content editor into the processes in the company since they would have to change the whole machine that is already set up with google docs as a one gear of 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 it so they they just saw the potential in in content editor how good is it but couldn't incorporate into the processes and this is why we decided to build this extension. And what is even cool about this extension is that it's not an Google Docs add-on. It's a, a Chrome extension, which opens way new opportunities, such as WordPress integration or Magento integration or PrestaShop integration or, or whatever input you call integration, since content editor is sidebar and input and if we can tell uh, to our sidebar that this is my input then you you are able to use the extension with any other any other kind of input like like wordpress one but of course it's not ready yet but it was written to provide such a functionality in the future so we don't have to you know build it again it's partially done. I've already seen it working with WordPress, but needs to be, you know, polished, refined, yeah, some use cases. I think we will start with WordPress integration, but not through a plugin rather than with, with accession. I think people would like that because people hate installing like more plugins on their WordPress sites. So I think they'd rather have, they'd rather kill their computer's RAM than their website server, basically, which, which is basically the choice you make with Chrome extension. Okay, another thing I wanted to ask you about is you guys have a keyword research tool in there. It's really basic. I don't use it personally. It's like I don't I think you guys are great for the on-page stuff, but like the keyword research tool is like not my favorite. However, there is one thing that is quite interesting in your keyword research tool is you have the sub-similarity score, which basically you put a keyword. So like I just put like SEO tools to check and it finds me all other queries that were essentially the same page is ranked. So it's it's kind of similar to Organic keywords. It's called also rank four. No, so like you guys have called some subsimilarity you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, how it's called in Ahrefs? It's just the organic. Yeah, it's basically like you can just check the organic keywords of a given page, you know. But like it's kind of like looking at the same thing in a different from a different perspective. In Ahrefs, you look at it from a page perspective where you see what one page ranks for, whereas you look at it from a query perspective, which, in my opinion, is probably a better way to like bucket topics together to understand the way Google the way Google does it basically. 
So I quite like that, but I'm curious why you started a keyword research tool because it's like this is quite competitive and you guys are like more known for the on-page stuff, basically. It was pretty frequently requested as well. While we already have a database, we already have a database which was bought for backlink scrolling. So we bought the database for, for crawling backlinks and it was a keyword plus SERP database. And since we, we have it, then why not use it in a way that no one does? So we decided to build something, like you said, opposite to the others, like from the very beginning. We still get a lot of users putting the URL instead of a keyword, waiting for some results. But still, it's the same as with the keyword research tool. So Google provide rankings, right? And you put a keyword and Google matches it with some pages. And if Google matched the same keyword with 80% same URLs, then you can't argue that it's related, right? So in the, the way that we provide those similar keywords is that they are ordered by the level of similarity. But you did the analysis with just one keyword, right? But you can go deeper. So select SEO tool, but you can select Ahrefs review, SEMrush review, as probably they will pop up, and some other keywords. And if you put put them all together into analysis, you will get more and more suggestions. So there is a tiny plus button next to each keyword that will add it to the clipboard on the left side. And if you fill the clipboard with, let's say, five or 10 phrases that are promising for you and click research, then we will look for similar keywords for them all together. And if there is a keyword that is similar to all of them, it will be on the top with the level of similarity for the, the most similar keyword. And doing this, you are able to build extremely wide list of topics based on the whole niche. Like you can start with a diet pills and end up with uh, whatever results. I mean, you can set up the whole page structure for, let's say, back pain relievers structure based on this keyword research, and it will be all similar, all in the same bucket, I would say. And Google said that it's the same bucket, not me, not you, not someone else. Just Google said that this is the same bucket. So that's the biggest thing out there. I see. I mean, I would love like some kind of keyword tool that allows me to essentially build content hubs or like, you know, silos and essentially like research that. So it'd be nice. I would love to see this evolve in that direction so that it takes just a different approach, you know? We can't climb by the 10 stairs. Ah, I know, I know. I'm just saying it'd be nice to see you guys go in that direction because that's essentially what you started doing. Like basically focusing on like topic of the page and then putting multiple keywords per page, which like... We have already planned. We have already planned this kind of functionality where you will provide the main topic for your domain or whatever. And we will bring you block architecture or whatever. So yeah, that's definitely a case for the research. And that was just the first step. And based on those similarity levels, we can adjust with the similarity. We can put them into separate buckets and build siloing pages, supporting pages 
with the right keyword. So this is the most important to pick the right keyword for the top page and to support it with similar but smaller to just connect them with internal links in the best way. That's what I would expect. Like I would love to like put a main topic, let's say like uh, beagles, like the dog breed, you know, and then you find me essentially like you basically build the hub for me. You're like, okay, your top page is about beagles. Then you should talk about beagles nutrition and then you should talk about beagles healthcare. And then under this, then you have maybe five or 10, essentially like find these blocks through similarity and then make suggestions on like what to group together. Basically, that'd be amazing. You know what? We can even go with similar of similar, which is a second level of experience. And I already saw some results since we are having some fun in Google databases when we put all the data and do some analysis before we, we implement anything. So I think it was Neo, Neo4j database. We used the, the engine Neo4j where we could uh, extract similar of similar keywords and the results were truly amazing. And this is exactly what is called uh, supporting pages for silo pages uh, for the main topic. So let's say three levels of, of building content. Basically, basically what, what I would hate you guys t- to see you guys do is essentially try to build the same keyword tool that's been built a thousand times. Because um, I think some people do it really well. It's a lot of work. And in the end, you're going to be competing against 20 tools. So it'd be nice to see you guys go in a different direction, use kind of like this building block that you've started and build something that's more complementary to what exists out there rather than just another me to keyword tool, basically. Just my opinion. Half of the features, half of the features of Surfer uh, are built based on clients' opinions uh, or users' opinions. So uh, definitely will take into account since I'm collecting all the feedback, I note them down in the sheets and always discussed later. So you can expect that. <laughs> Anything else that you guys are working on for the future that you can tell us about? I think that the biggest thing is the global backlink scroll. That's the biggest thing we are we are going to uh, land uh, in the near future since we are crawling backlinks in a different way. So the data is all ours, but we crawl backlinks on the pages that rank. So we don't follow internal links. If we go for the domain, we don't follow those internal links. We just follow the pages that rank in Google on at least 100 positions. And this way, we are able to extract the quality backlinks, not the backlinks that are placed on pages that Google, you know, devaluated, since it's not ranking on any keywords. So you can tell that it is valuable link unless it is supported by other links. So this is uh, what we also have. It's called indirect traffic. And... If we do the global crawl, it will be really, really useful for for backlink opportunities, the quality backlink opportunities, which you can tease for uh, UK market, especially for the UK 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 market already in audit and missing common backlinks. But there is another thing that is going to be released even sooner, and it is another Chrome extension. It is another Chrome extension that will be released for free and it will remain free and what it will do is that it will show you a search volume of your keyword it's uh, basically it's a SERP overlay uh, like many others uh, plug uh, extensions it will tell you about your search volume google suggestions search volume plus related keywords search volumes plus 
similar keywords with SERP similarity. So you will get additional keyword research, like basic keyword research, of course, but it will contain those SERP similarities, so kind of unique stuff, as well as two tiny charts showing the domain traffic and backlinks, quality backlinks count for the domain. So you'll be able to find out directly on SERP if this query requires to have really, really strong domain or backlinks count correlates with 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 the the rankings. So we will release such an extension for free and that will be even sooner. I feel like it can be released in in November. It's I'm sure maybe maybe even in October. So keep fingers crossed. Cool. And that's gonna be free. So like everyone that listens to this can go and check it out. There's always one thing that I do with people who like run or work with tool companies is I always ask them to compare their tools to their main competitors. So the game is I name a competitor and you tell me how you guys are different. And, you know, it's not really like, an, it's not like to, for you to like trash talk your competitors, but rather to position it in the head of listeners, like how you guys how you guys are different or like in which case one tool is better or the other case, the other tool is better, etc. So I'm going to start with one that I think is, is quite different from yours. It's Cora. A lot of people have heard of it. I've met Ted uh, in Bali and he's a super smart guy. I've tried both. I'm using so for now, but I'll let you talk first and I'll, t- I'll tell what I think. So Cora prepared uh, the market for on-page correlational tools. They did a great job. In the very beginning, they educated a lot of people about correlational SEO. And the biggest difference between Cora and Surfer is that Surfer is cloud-based while Cora is desktop. Plus, uh, Cora is, is more detailed. It's more detailed. They, they provide way more data. I am not sure if all the data they provide is that relevant. And this is the case we were talking through in the, in the, in the beginning, if all the factors are important. Not, but providing more data may help in specific cases. But what's better at server is definitely the learning curve and the UX and the feeling of the interface. I it's it's not only my opinion. I just had quite a lot of uh, people telling me that hey, now I can use correlational tool because I understand what am I doing in server. So I think that's the difference. But I really like what what Ted did and doing at the moment. I mean, he's he's like honestly like probably like top three smartest SEO guys I've ever talked to. Really, really smart guy. But I agree a hundred percent on the usability. I think you'll see him in uh, Chiang Mai. Like I, I think he'll probably be there. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you'll meet him there. Actually, uh, really, really nice guy and really smart guy. And uh, yeah, that's the one thing. It's like for me, Cora, it's it's super smart, but. It's like if I take the tool and I take a page that I want to optimize, it feels like a, a huge headache because of user interface. I understand that it doesn't bother some people, so it kind of depends on your personality. I do believe that he gives you more data, but I also believe that I use it less. <laughs> and so as a result, as a result, that's why I picked, uh, that's why I'm using Surfer. And I think that's also why, for example, Madigity does the same. The next one is a Pop Page Optimizer Pro from Carl Roof, this guy. It also super smart guy. I, I, like, I like both. I hang out with both in Bali last year. I see them actually next week in Bali. 
uh, this podcast will come out after, so it's fine. Like they, when they hate me, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> how do you compare to to pop? Because this one is quite popular, and uh, in my opinion, it's a little bit easier to use than. Yeah, definitely. Pop is more like surface audit, but a bit more detailed than the audit. I'm not sure it, if it's that detailed about semantic analysis. I think I believe it's not like the true density is. But pop is more like an audit, a way simpler to to, to use than Cora. And they also did a great job for correlational or on-page tools on the market since they also cleared the path for people using this kind of tools. No one heard of correlational or on-page optimizers against the competitors. They did the first step and they educated a lot U.S. market, which was ready for us, actually. So I really appreciate their job. And Surfer is like Cora plus Pop, while Cora is more detailed SERP analyzer and Pop is more detailed audit. So they were always asking about Cora plus Pop combo. And at the very beginning, we were trying to, you know, use some social media to promote ourselves, especially on a SEO Signals Lab group, where I got a ban for for this. But Stephen, Stephen, you know, allowed me to join again when I promised that I won't do it again. So at the very very beginning, we were like way way below, like a tiny guys trying to show themselves. And right now, you asked me if we differ and how we differ which is a great debilitation for us since we are on the same line right now. And like I said, POP is like an audit, Cora is like a SERP analyzer, Surfer is like both, but nicer. POP and Cora works great. Uh, I saw studies. I know it's working because the principles are the same. We are just a little bit different in terms of how we present the data and how we calculate some stuff. I know they are using TFIDF, we are using some other kind of algorithms, but uh, the output is... Yeah, that's the thing, different method, but like 98% overlaps or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the output uh, of both tools is really, really similar. It's the way of presenting the data and gathering the information. Okay. Yeah, it's funny how you talk about Cora and Pop being the first, because in my opinion... The first one would actually be Market Muse. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's been around for like five, six years, maybe something like it's been a while. Isn't Market Muse that crazy expensive tool for content writing? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you ever tried it? I only saw it on uh, Hangouts with people who were comparing Market Muse with Surfer on the feedback sessions with me. So I know quite a lot from their perspective, but I haven't tried it personally. What did they say? Like when, when they were comparing it, what did people say? One guy told me that why we didn't make this call earlier since he already paid 10K. So that was that was one <laughs> opinion. But market music is really well market, marketed. So they are this AI machine learning fancy buzzworded tool, which provides slightly better data than we do. I think that it was more about the keyword research differences than those uh, suggestions based on competitors. But I'd say that 
it's pretty much similar to the content editor. More detailed, more fancy stuff, and better marketing. I think uh, one thing they attempt to do as well is the, the siloing stuff that we mentioned for the QO tool for you guys. They give you like support topics and stuff like that. Like you should look at what they do, I guess. Like it's another part of their tool set, but they do have that as well. So it's, I think the tool suite is like a little bit more developed, but they had more time as well. But I would agree on the fact that value for money, you guys probably are closer to what everyone in this podcast would be listening to, to what they're looking for than market news. Market news is really expensive. I think even the self-service content editor was at least 500 bucks a month. And that was like after negotiating with the sales team. So yeah, it was quite expensive. Have you tried ClearScope though? You know, ClearScope.io? Yes. Uh, and it is the same situation as with Market News. But I managed to use some of shared editors. And the biggest advantage of ClearScope over Surfer Content Editor is that they have this context of keywords used. So they provide some words before and after the keyword is used. So you know uh, how they use, let's say, this exact keyword, uh, where, where it's placed, what's this, what are the surrounding words uh, of it. So that's the biggest advantage on, on, of ClearScope. I feel like everything else is worse since pricing is higher, uh, limits are tight, and seats uh, are limited. So if you feel like this context is really important for you, then go with clear scope. But if you can live without it, then the choice is pretty simple. Any plan to do the context on Surfer? I asked uh, Lucian about it, and that wasn't actually a quick win. It's kind of tricky. It can be done, of course, but you know we have three developers in the team, and we work really hard to develop some, some some features and the toughest moment when we are planning something is to prioritize and we haven't completed any roadmap that is planned for more than three months so it never happened i think you did okay like that's the part that people hate the most when they come with a tool to this podcast because i always do that i did that with two ben from elemental and he hated that i think you did okay Okay, I'm basically out of questions. So anything that you think we should have talked about that we did not talk about that you'd like to mention? I don't think so. If anyone wants to talk with me about using server, then you are always you know, welcome. I have some slots open. So. I've actually added you to the HPro group. So if HPro members want to tag you on posts, is that fine? Definitely, definitely. I can even share my Calendly link there so they can schedule a call. Perfect. So like people, if you're, if you're using Surfer and you're in HPro, just tag uh, Misha. He's going to help you out. So that's going to be it for this podcast. Thank you for coming, for answering my, my quirky questions and uh, not getting mad at me or anything like that. But it was really good. So thank you for that. And well, thank you for listening for the people that were on the podcast. Thank you for your attention, guys and girls. I really enjoyed the, the, the chat and i hope uh, you will find it helpful so thank you again okay cool well thank you for listening see you next week for another episode we are in asia with mark right now but you will still get an episode every monday so uh, tune in don't forget to subscribe if you're not subscribed yet and drop us a review if you haven't done that yet either have a good day bye